Hello and welcome to the Transformed Life Podcast, where we discover life from God's perspective. I am your host, Joe Tran, and I would like to thank you for joining us. Also, don't forget to subscribe to get notified of future episodes and feel free to follow me on social media at JoeTran316. That is J-O-E-T-R-A-N 316. We are also recording this episode at Lighthouse Vineyard Church in Elkhart, Indiana. So feel free to find out more about the church online at Lighthouse Vineyard Dot church. In today's episode, we are in studio with Mia. How are you doing? I'm good. Nice. That's great. Uh, so, yeah, let's get started. Um, so, tell me about your story. It started really when you were young and you always dreamt of being a mother. Go into detail about this. What were you really hoping for? Yeah. So, I was always, my family always joked like, she's going to have a baseball team. Like, that was always like my ideal. When I grow up, I'm going to have like gobs and gobs of kids, <laughs> even with my little brother. When he, when my mom was pregnant with him, he was my baby. When he was born, he was my baby. I mothered over him. Um, so that was just always, I always had that mother heart. And it's, so you became, you became pregnant. So mm -hmm. And then, and then your husband was uh, leaving uh, in the arm in the army reserves. Is that right? Yeah. So um, my husband was in the army national guard for about six years. Um, okay. And we had found out right before, if you know anything about the national guard, they do their two weeks of annual training. So they're gone for the summer. So fortunately not like a full deployment. Um, but yeah, we had found out just right before he was leaving that we were pregnant with our first child. Um, so lots of, lots of excitement, obviously for somebody who'd always dreamed of being a mom, that was a really exciting moment. And so I just remember even him leaving. He thought, oh, I don't want to leave you and the baby. I just want to be able to be here and yeah. just, you know, revel in all of this joy. Exactly. Okay. And then, and then, so he left for the training and then what happened after that? Yeah. So after he left for the training within 24 hours, I had started having spotting. Um, if for anybody that is has been pregnant, knows pregnancy, that is not a normal thing. Um, even as a nurse, uh, that was really, it was just scary. Um, and I just remember feeling this loneliness because he was gone. He was really the only person. We hadn't told anybody that we were pregnant yet. Um, so I just had this overwhelming loneliness about this. And it's a weekend. I had worked at the hospital. I thought, I'm not going to the emergency room. I don't want to, you know, have all yeah. my coworkers know what's going on. So I just kind of toughed it out through the weekend until I was able to call my doctor's office Monday morning and be able to get in um, and be able to do that blood testing. So throughout that week, um, did blood testing at the beginning of the week and really just spent that week again feeling that loneliness. I remember just, you know, laying on the couch in pain, just praying and crying out, you know, God, please, please just save, you know, save this baby, let this baby be okay. Um, I just was constantly singing the song, His Eye is on the Sparrow, and I know he watches me to just be able to comfort myself and remind myself like, okay, God is watching you and all of this. But I just remember this moment in the middle of all of that of just crying out like, God, why would you let me go through this alone? I'm all by myself. My husband isn't even here. And he just was like, daughter, you are not alone. I am here with you. And won't you just let me be enough for you as you walk through this? And then so tell me, uh, as you as you were going through that moment, uh, what, what happened after that? Um, so we did, um, by the end of the week, we did get our blood testing mm -hmm. back and did find out that we had lost our baby. Um, and so then it was a whirlwind with the military um, having to call. I mean, 
the Red Cross is the first people I talk to after my doctor to be able to um, get them to bring my husband home. Um, and fortunately, we were very, very fortunate that um, his leadership was gracious enough to let him come home um, to skip out on the rest of his training. They kind of told him, you know, as long as, um, you know, you check in with us every three days, we're just going to let you go home and, and be with your wife. Okay, I see. Describe uh, Describe how you felt when you first found out about the miscarriage it's really was just disbelief i mean there was just so much excitement and it's like you almost just can't believe that it's happening it's miscarriage i mean infertility all of those things it always feels like it's something that happens to somebody else and so you just i mean i really felt like i had the wind knocked right out of me there was just this disbelief um and i just i mean i still remember that moment of calling michael he fortunately had a cell phone um and i you know i just remember calling him and hardly being able to get the words out through tears of you know we lost a baby um, so just i mean just again so scary and just so grief-stricken it's like you can't believe that you can feel so much grief over somebody you've really never met before so you're going through that moment you know describe how you were talking to god in in, in those moments like yeah you know it's kind of interesting you have that first initial like disbelief and you're you're just talking yourself through that of like this is okay this is you know this is god's plan god has a plan for all of this but really as time kind of went on and other people started saying that to me like this is god's plan i just was really i, I was angry about that and i thought i don't like this plan you know this yeah. plan really sucks um and so you know i remember you feel like when you're going through a miscarriage, you feel like everybody on the planet is pregnant. I would go to Meyer and they would make announcements about it's baby Palooza and everything baby is on sale. And you thought I came in the middle of the night, so I didn't have to hear this, you know, and it's still it's all, you know, it's yeah. right there. I mean, I even remember um, one Sunday morning we were at church. We were part of a very small church. And when I tell you everybody else in our age group was pregnant, I mean that like everybody at the church had gotten pregnant at the same time. Um, and they just are just standing there in this little huddle, beautiful, glowing, mm. big round bellies. And yeah. I just looked on them with just tears and sadness and anger. And I remember just turning to Michael and saying, you know, I think God let our baby die just because he could. Mm. Um, I just was at that level of anger. And Michael said, you know that that's not the God that we serve. And I said, you know, I'm really not sure what I believe about him anymore. Um, but that morning, the pastor taught on the crucifixion. And I remember that because this mm. was September. And I thought, who in the world preaches on the crucifixion in the middle of fall? Um, and the pastor was talking about that moment where Jesus cried out to heaven and God turned away. And I had this moment of, see, God, that is exactly what you did to me. How cruel and how unfair of you. You couldn't even continue to look on your son and you couldn't even continue to look on me. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, he, I know that he had this moment of grief and he's like, that's not what it was. In that moment when he looked on Jesus and in that moment when he looked on me, there was this plan in place that needed to play out. Um, for Jesus, that plan had to play out for each of us, for our salvation, for our transformation. And God said, just trust me. Mm. I have a plan in this that's going to play out. And I knew, I knew in that moment, he felt the same grief for me over the loss of my child that he had felt watching his child on the cross. Um, and being able to look back on that in the moment, 
it hurt. Um, but being able to look back and see the good that God has brought through all of that, I now can look and see, okay, God, I understand why you allowed this to come to fruition. That's so, that's so deep. Uh, and you know, I've, I, I totally agree. I mean, I've been there before. I've actually heard those same exact words mm -hmm. in, in the moments where you are, you literally don't see a way out, Yeah, you know, and you're just like, there is no other way. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that Jesus said the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's like that deep love that God had for Jesus. It's like mm -hmm. he looks on, we are all as a part of the body of Christ. He looks on us with that same deep love. Um, so that moment with him that morning was when I realized, okay, this was not an act of deep cruelty. This really was an act of deep love. So um, by God's grace, you ended up pregnant again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is amazing because I remember having this moment with God in the weeks after my miscarriage where I just said, God, if I'm if I never get pregnant again, that is okay. I will not be angry at you. I will be at peace with this. Um, and so I kind of call that my Isaac sacrifice, you know, where he was laid down on the altar and God was like, no, 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 here's a goat. Here's a goat. Yeah. Um, so, you know, being just finding out, you know, shortly it it was short. When I look back at the time frame, I'm like, oh my goodness, that wasn't that long at all. But in the middle of it, it felt so long. Um, but yes, we were very fortunate to get pregnant again. Um, but I was overtaken with so much fear and so much anxiety through that whole pregnancy. Um, cause you know, you kind of thought, okay, once I get, we had had our miscarriage at seven weeks. And so it was kind of like, okay, I'll be fine. Once I get to seven weeks and I know this baby's okay, like I'll be fine. Yeah. I, no, it didn't just go away. You know, yeah. it, then it was like, oh, okay. When I get the ultrasound and I see that the baby's developing normally, like, okay, then I'll be fine. I won't have this anxiety anymore. And then it was like, okay, I had the ultrasound and I'm like, oh no, you know, and then I had some spotting halfway through my pregnancy. And so like, then there's this, this overwhelming fear again. And then I thought, okay, once he's born, you know, once this baby's born, yeah. I'll be okay. Like I won't have this anxiety anymore. And he was born and I still had all of this anxiety. You know, I thought, oh, it could be SIDS, you know, we could lose him anyway. Um, and so even to the point of that little boy was in a bassinet by my bed, for far longer than he should have been and <laughs> even when we transitioned him into his own room i would turn the baby monitor up so loud that i could hear every breath he was taking it and my you know and my anxiety came to the point where i was literally checking the doors three times at night michael would say don't worry i locked the doors and i would lay there for about two minutes and i'd go nope i gotta go check on myself and so i'm walking the house and then i'd lay down for a few more minutes and i go Oh my goodness, did, did I get the garage door? You know, and I'd be right back up, like checking in the doors again. Uh, so you uh, you described this uh, moment where you said it was your Isaac moment. Mm -hmm. um, in that in that conversation you had with God, like what like what was going on through your mind? So like when you were very young, you've always wanted to be mm -hmm. this mother, right? Yeah. And then and then at that moment, you realize, you know what? Like I just want what you want god yeah is that really yeah it, it was because for me like that really was that was the biggest sacrifice i could think of um and i truly meant it i mean i had this heart to heart with god and i'm like it will be okay and i will be okay if this does not come to pass it's crazy how god works like that yes it is it is it is you know and you see that through throughout 
like everyone's life, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, people don't know this, but I've, uh, before I did this podcast, I was serving on many other churches and I did a lot of testimonies. I filmed a lot of testimonies, like literally hundreds mm-hmm. of them. And almost every story has that theme of this was my God. Yeah. And God wanted me to sacrifice it yeah. because in order for him to be my God, I needed to make that that happen. Exactly. Well, and even that anxiety when I did become a mom was such an idol because really what that anxiety said is, I God, I don't trust you enough in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and really him and I had this moment at one point where he said to me, I have trusted you with my child. Now you need to trust me with him. Wow. That's so good. <laughs> I, like I never even I never even realized that like you know when when you uh, when you mention it that way mm-hmm. you know um, so so your son MJ is his name right yep MJ Michael Jr. Um, so he ends up born but you still experience uh, like sickness after sickness and then uh, you realized that maybe this sickness is that. Uh, he might be experiencing is not physical but spiritual yeah so he he has always been a tough child he is an amazing remarkable child um he's so fun he's so funny he is just bright but those kind of kids are challenging to oh, parent yeah. i mean they're so challenging to parent um so he's all he was always that strong-willed kid people were giving me parenting books after parenting books after parenting books um and so even not just from that like physical illness spiritual illness um but like that kind of emotional side of him too of just he has an ironclad will i mean i remember times where like he's he digs his heels in and i remember just going to michael and being like this child's will is stronger than mine. I can't stand up to him. And he's like, no, no, it is not. You are the mom. Um, and so through through all of those challenges, through all of these books, I remember sitting down with one of these books and, and God being like, I've given you everything you need to parent this child in my word. Like these books are fine, but this is where it's at. Um, and so I really, through these illnesses, I just was intentional i started a journal for him and it you know there really is a bible verse for everything there were times where i was googling you know i would be googling sickness how to deal with sickness i would be googling discipline you know googling these different verses and i just write them down in this journal and i would pray them um and so and i would even take periods of fasting that i would do for him especially when he would get sick like i would fasting just for that spiritual warfare piece to just um stand up against that and yeah we hit this point where he was running a fever oh my word it felt like every other week and i thought this cannot you know even as a nurse and i've never worked in pediatrics i've always worked with adults and geriatrics but i thought it cannot be normal for a child to run a fever every other week you know two three times a month i thought this is crazy and it would be really strange symptoms it would be like he'd have an earache and a tummy ache and i'm like it there was no like oh we have a stomach bug or we have a respiratory it was like you know at one point like he lost his hearing completely in one ear um and so i go to the doctor and i'm like he's running fevers all the time and the doctor's like he's a little kid it's fine and I walked out of there and I was like, this does not feel fine to me. Um, I was just, again, I was so unsettled in my spirit about it. And I was like, okay, God, if the doctors and medicine are telling me there's nothing wrong, but I know that something's wrong, like this is spiritual. And so shortly after that, we had gone to a retreat as a family um, with a ministry that we are, were a part of at the time. He had just broken a fever like three days earlier and in the middle of the night starts running a fever again. 
And I just was like, okay, Lord, like I give up. The next morning we went to the leader at this retreat and we just said, we want him anointed. Like yeah. medicine can't give us an answer. Like we want him anointed. We want elders to come and pray for him. Um, and the pastor, I mean, you he was like a lion on the prowl he was there was a circle of people around us and he was pacing and he was talking about the power of prayer and healing and just as he had called up some of the elders in the group to anoint mj i heard a noise and if you have ever heard like a demon it is the most unsettling sound um and this man just fell to the ground in a seizure and you want to talk about a moment of anxiety as a mom? I was like, I mean, Michael and I just looked at each other. It was like, okay, like the gates of hell are literally rising up against this child right now um, as this guy is on the floor seizing. Um, and so it was this, I mean, that was such a turning point because I had this moment where I was like, God, I'm not doing this. We are not anointing this child. I want to fly under the radar. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and I just had this moment where I realized, there is a plan if the enemy is trying this hard to take this little boy i mean he's like five years old at this point so it's not like you know billy graham in his yeah. 80s this is a little boy <laughs> yeah and i thought if the enemy is working this hard to rise up against this child okay god we have got to move forward in the spirit with this um and so we we did the pastors like i gotta get on you know on my face before the lord before we go any further but i will be back in a little bit and we are going to anoint this child we are going to pray for this child um, and he was anointed. That was very new for us because my husband and I both grew up in churches where you didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit or gifts of the Holy Spirit. So it all kind of was this very unnerving, but we're like, okay, God, we're just trusting that like this is the direction that you want us to go. Um, and so we had him anointed. Several men prayed over him. It was really our first time ever hearing people pray in like tongues or a prayer language. Um, and that child went six months without a fever after we had him anointed six months and even after that it was like a little illness like it was like a cold that he had caught with a little bit of elevated temperature it is it is pretty you know i've seen many many stories like that you know like and it's just it's so what, what i find it so crazy about it is you can't like no person can take credit for that right exactly the only person that can take credit for it is god himself yeah absolutely and that's you know that's what i love it's like there was no answer in medicine so i can't go back and be like oh we have the, we have a wonderful doctor but i can't go back and be like oh we have this wonderful doctor and you found this cure and you know helped our little boy like literally we have only god to give glory for that so after experiencing everything you went through and you know in regards to the miscarriage and then the complications with mj I think you may have touched on this, but I'm, I'm going to ask this probably if you could go into deeper detail onto this. Describe the pivotal moment where your prayer life went from praying in fear to praying in faith. Yeah, absolutely. In that anxiety and in that fear, I always, every time, if I was going to work, if my son was going, you know, with grandma and grandpa, if he was traveling anywhere, it was God keep him safe. God keep him safe. And it wasn't even this like spiritual prayer. It was rote more than anything it was just like that was okay god it wasn't even like a prayer of like oh i trust you to keep him safe it was really a like me begging like lord please keep him safe don't let anything bad happen to him because you know obviously we know bad things do happen um but god finally just said you have got to stop 
asking for this child to be safe. He said, because I am not a safe God, but I am good and you can trust me with him. Um, that was such a turning point for me. Um, I always think of, I don't know if you're a Chronicles of Narnia fan. A little bit, yeah. Okay, um, so there's the lion Aslan, and there is this moment where one of the girls in the story, Lucy, asks, is he good? Um, and they said, or is he, I'm sorry, is he safe? And they said, is he safe? No, of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king. Um, and that I just so resonate with that because God was really like, he's not always going to be safe, but that as a parent, that shouldn't be my goal to have a safe child. My goal should be to raise a child who gets to have adventure and encounter with God. And that's more important than him being safe and him being comfortable. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting when we do that prayer of, oh, please be safe or please, you know, keep, you know, when we do that kind of a prayer, it's almost like we ask God to make things happen in the constraints of our own mind. Yes, exactly. Which is what I, I wanted <laughs> that control. Like yeah. I was, I've always been a person um, who has just sought to have control. Um, I, you know, even as a teenager having an eating disorder, which is rooted in that need for control. Um, that's what it was. It was like, I wanted God to fit inside this little box. So it was like, not only was he telling me like, your child's going to be okay with me, but he was also saying like, look, I don't fit into your box of goodness and of safety. Like I am so much bigger than all of this. <laughs> yeah way bigger yeah totally uh so um what have you not talked about that you'd like to mention yeah you know i think the most important thing for us as parents is to look at parenting as discipleship we you know we talk about going on mission trips but really as parents we have been given this mission field right within the four walls of our home like we are raising up tiny little non-believers and hopefully bringing them into the kingdom of god and that takes discipleship that takes you know sh helping them encounter who god is um, no matter how big and how scary that is that's you know teaching them how to pray it's teaching them the importance of god's word um it's you know answering the questions that they have my son being strong-willed he is he is very spiritually attuned and he has asked me some really hard spiritual questions and i love it because i get to go deep and i would never want to say oh you don't worry about that or oh you wouldn't understand i still remember when he asked me about the trinity essentially he didn't know he was asking about the trinity but he said mom how did god send an angel to tell mary that she was going to be pregnant with himself if god and jesus are the same person and i was like <laughs> Oh my goodness, you know, yeah. so he has just like uh, he and how old was he when he when he asked that? Oh my word, he was probably four or five years old. <laughs> wow. That Kids is, have this deep, just yeah. deep I understand through raising a child, I understand what Jesus said when like let the little children come and that we have to have faith like a child. Cause he challenges me. And I think that's the most important part of discipleship is we're challenging each other because in the middle of that challenge, in the middle of that rub, it's that iron sharpening iron and us being able to grow together in the spirit so if i could share anything with parents it's you don't serve a safe god but you serve a good god so trust him and disciple your kids yeah exactly yeah i totally agree uh you know i have a son as well he's a stepson but i've been with him since he's two mm -hmm. since he was two now he's seven about to be eight really soon and he's seen me serve at churches all the time you know and you know just digging into scripture just listening to audiobooks all the time and then he starts asking questions like you know like 
you know, everyone needs to know God. Like, and he's like, like he's saying this at like five years old, yeah. you know? And it's so, and he just sits there, looks out the window and starts thinking of this stuff. I know. On it. his own. They are, so, they are so spirit. I mean, they're just so spiritually attuned. And I think, I think I learned more from him than I ever like yeah. <laughs> have learned in the last, you know, three decades without him. Yeah. It's really amazing what they know and what they can comprehend. I think sometimes with kids, we have this tendency to feel like, oh, we need to like protect them from that or, you know, they can't understand that. But I'm like, just talk to them like they get that. And God uses them in such mighty ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. Um, so right now there are mothers out there who are going through the same things you have gone through. What advice would you give them? God is good. God is good. I lost, I so lost sight of that. Um, but, you know, in the middle of my grief, in the middle of my loss, um, even parenting my son, those moments where I felt like there were so many broken promises. I remember um, moments where I felt like God, you know, I very clearly feel like God made this promise to me. Your son is going to do great things in my kingdom. Um, and we had this moment where he was having issues at school and it looked like we were going to have to, you know, do some testing for behavioral disorders. And I just had this moment with God where I was like, you promised me this and this is all falling apart. And he's like, no, when I promised you that, I knew what the outcome was going to be. Um, so to other moms, if you're struggling with infertility, if you are struggling with miscarriage, if you are struggling with, a, you know, a stubborn, a strong-willed kid, just know God is already there in the outcome. He already knows. And his plans are for your good and for his glory. And even in the middle of that, when you cannot see that goodness and you cannot see that glory, it is coming. So just hold on to hope and remember that he is good. Awesome. Well, those are all the questions I really have. Usually I end an episode it with me praying, but would you like to pray for the mothers out there and the people that are going to hear this message? I would love to. Thank right. you so much. Yeah. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of motherhood, but it is hard. God, there are moments of loss. There are moments of grief. There are moments of defeat. Lord, and so I pray for all the mother's hearts out there. Lord, that they would not lose hope, that they would not lose faith in you through whatever struggle that they are facing. Lord, you do, you promise that your plans for us are good. And I pray that in those moments of darkness, of walking through the valley, Lord, that you would just bring up people beside these moms to remind them that you are good and that they are not alone. Lord, that you're still walking with them and that your promises still stand true. Lord, so I just pray I just pray encouragement over those who would hear this story, Lord, that it would be one that offers hope and light in the middle of situations that I know can feel so hopeless and so dark, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for doing that. Well, that is it for today's episode of the Transformed Life Podcast, where we discover life from God's perspective. If you have any questions, suggestions, or you would like to share your story of how Jesus has personally worked through your life, feel free to email us at the Transformed Life Podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you find this podcast beneficial to your walk with Jesus, please rate us five stars and leave a review. Thanks once again for joining us on the Transform Life podcast. I'm your host, Joe Tran, and we will see you next time. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you.